Took that. You're listening to Future Tense, the AI show that demystifies the world of artificial intelligence and tells you what you need to know. Join Jeff Joyce and Julia McCoy live right now. Welcome back to Future Tense. I'm Julia McCoy, and here is Jeff Joyce. We're coming to you. We're live right now. You might be hearing the recording from Austin, Texas, where Jeff and I just got out of Concordia University of Texas. I gave a talk to three different undergrad classes on the future of AI and how it's going to impact work as we know it. So you're about to listen to the full talk recording. We wanted to give that to you as today's podcast recording. So I hope you really enjoy it. Some of the key points that stood out to the students there that really shocked them. This was partially a new talk. Some of it still dwells on Google SGE and other things I've mentioned in other talks, but the intro and the opener is completely new as well as the conclusion. And something that really stood out to students that were there, a main key point was the prediction that was made about 30 days ago, this January in 2024 from 2,700 AI researchers that all concluded that work as we know it will be fully automated. It's just a matter of time. And their prediction was 2113. And I made the point that if technology in AI keeps advancing, we're seeing 50 years of advancement in just two years, that could happen as soon as 2060. And one student raised their hand. They're like, I'll be 30. Will I have a place in this world? <laughs> so we got some great questions from these students that talked about AI in developing countries, all the way to what should I be doing whenever I grow up? <laughs> what jobs will not be automated? And you know, there's a lot of real talk there where I didn't hold back and I let them know what's coming, but to be hopeful. And that was the whole point of the talk that, you know, if I could sell my writing agency and get out of what is almost auto fully automated content and pivot, before I lost anything and now have a job, I told them I enjoy more than what I used to do as the president of Continent Scale. Then there's so much hope for them. Plus, if you think about it, 14% of Americans even know what ChatGPT is. My Uber drivers all didn't. <laughs> so there's just tons of hope. And that was my message. And I was able to get that across, I hope, to those students. Had a blast. That said, we're going to go into the recording of the talk right now. So let's jump right in. You're about to hear the full talk at Concordia University of Texas on the future of AI, how to partner with AI programs and be successful. Speaker series where I bring together business leaders and thought leaders to speak at Concordia. Today, I'm super excited to introduce Julia McCoy, president of Content at Scale, will be talking with us about artificial intelligence. Her talk, a The AI Revolution, Partnering with AI Programs. Julia is a top 30 marketer, and she's been named an industry thought leader by many publications. Among her many accomplishments, she's a speaker, an eight times author, a podcast host of a something called Future Tense, the AI show worth listening to, She's a content strategist and a self-described content hacker. So just to give you an idea of Julia's journey, she built a human writing agency over 10 years that did 10 million words a year before she sold it to Enter AI in 2021. And now she does 50 million words a month, okay? 
you believe that? So she does five years of content in one month. So today for Julia's talk, she's gonna be talking about how AI is shaping the future of marketing and how to harness AI for your business. So for all you students in business, studying marketing, or if you have your own business, you know, listen up, think of your questions, hold them for Julia because she has a lot of information to share. So the format for today's speaker series is that Julia's gonna give her presentation for about 45 minutes, and then we'll leave the rest of the hour for Q&A. So if you're tuning in online, please type your question in the chat, and we'll have time for that at the end. So with that, I'll turn it over to Julia, and let's give her a warm Concordia welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Kristen. Oops. Of course, as I step on stage, my microphone comes undone, such is technology. I am excited to be here with you all sharing the future of work and how AI will forever impact it. That is my clickbaity lead-in, but it's true. AI is going to shape everything, and that is what my talk is all about. So let's jump right in. So the truth is we're in an AI revolution. AI is going to revolutionize everything as we know it. I've been working in it for a year, and I'll share with you a little bit about what I'm seeing from the inside. So first, I want to start here. It can feel scary to think that this new technology is coming at us, and it can kind of feel like we're up for disruption. Will we have jobs in the future? What's coming? So consider this permission granted to explore what really is an unexplored future. It's kind of like when Lewis and Clark walked into the new frontier, that's what we're seeing with AI. It's a brand new frontier, and there's still not a lot of adaption. So we're in the early days, even though it feels like this is hurling at us at a very rapid pace. So there was a study done last August by IBM, and they looked at 3,000 executives. They also studied 21,000 workers, and this is what they found. They found that 40% of the entire workforce will have to reskill in the next three years. That's just months away. That's 1.4 billion people. So if we think about this and what's happening, and the clicker isn't, there we go, thank you. This is a question that comes up often. In fact, this is a question I asked less than a year ago, what actually is AI? So this is a look at the technologies that represent where AI comes from. It's machine learning, deep learning, LLMs, NLP, natural language processing, which comes from the study of human language. So in short, AI is a machine's ability to perform cognitive functions that we normally associate with the human mind. So what's incredible is that this has been around for a while. Siri, Google Translate, Alexa, those are examples of existing artificial intelligence. But what's crazy is the speed of progress in AI. We have had, experts are saying, 50 years of growth in just two years. So it's insane to see this happen. So this is a technologist, the CEO of Anthropic, behind one of the LLMs known as Claude, a major competitor to ChatGPT, and this is what he says. The single most important thing to understand about AI is how fast it's progressing. I have personally never seen anything resembling this pace of progress. And many scientists with longer careers than I concur. He says the progress is predictable. He talked about it thinking of it like exponentially increasing at a rate of two. So we're getting predictable progress because of how this technology is growing. 
and none of it, it will not slow down. It will only be progress from here on. So he said, things that seemed impossible for AI to do just two years ago are becoming routine today. AI can do things that were formerly completely impossible. And I'll show you some case studies of that. So in the 2020s, that black line represents human performance. This is when humans have been measured at what they do. And you can see these graphs, all these colored lines represent different subjects that AI has done successfully. So reading, writing, math, it has surpassed human performance at all levels. So we enter the 2020s and it's kind of like we're living in back to the future. What the movie predicted, the 2020s are revolutionary because we have artificial intelligence at a pace where it's surpassing any human level, any human capability. So 30 days ago, there was a study done. This one is crazy. Just came out 30 days ago. 2,700 researchers specific to AI, they researched AI, they were asked, how soon will AI replace human labor in every industry? And so they put together this research report, about 30 pages. These were people from Berkeley, the University of Oxford, so notable people that actually know and research AI. And here's what they said about the future of work. They said that all human jobs will be automated. It's just a matter of time. I laugh because I still can't believe this is even happening. 2113 is the year when they're anticipating this to happen by. And I see some frowns, like the reactions here. So if we take that and we cross-reference it against what's actually happening, which is 50 years of progress in two years, that's what we've had with ChatGPT, then we could say that full automation could happen as soon as 2063 which is absolutely crazy. So here's an actual physical example of how fast AI is progressing and how good it is. So Tesla is right here in Austin building humanoids. These are domestic robots that can cook, clean, do your laundry, things like that. So two years ago, they launched the first prototype known as Optimus and this thing couldn't even walk on stage. It literally fell over as it got on stage. So not even a year later, this same robot, Generation 2, Optimus Gen 2, can crack an egg, it can sense heat with its fingertips, it can lift weights, and it can do unbelievable things. So AI went from falling when it stepped on stage to Elon Musk says this thing will fold laundry by itself in a matter of weeks. So this is where we're at right now. So I am somebody that didn't want to adapt. I work in content, have for 10 years, like Kristen said, written a lot of books. Content is almost obliterated by AI. So I decided to work for the tool that I say replaced me. And what I'm doing as the president of Content at Scale is I'm helping companies do this, save 10 to 25 times the cost and the effort that content usually took. So we're seeing companies, marketers, communicators, have incredible transformation. So before we go into the case studies and the stories of what we're doing, I like to do this, I call it a litmus test, to see how well you can recognize a human's work versus a robot's. So let's do it. Okay, so I'm gonna read out two blog hooks. These are the first 100 words of a blog, and you're gonna guess which one was written by a human and which one was written by a robot. So let's go. So here's sample A, 
I'm going to read it. As you hear it, ask yourself, do you think this was written by a human or a robot? The phrase content marketing is often used as a catch-all definition for all the ways you promote your content strategy. But the reality is there are numerous content marketing formats and each one has its own unique benefits. Knowing the different types of content marketing is important because it gives you more options in your digital marketing toolbox. Moreover, it's crucial to understand how to use each one effectively. That's a little bit fluffy, okay. So here's the second blog hook, sample B. Ever feel like you're screaming into the void with your email marketing, crafting perfect emails, but they just tumble into the inboxes of a handful? You're not alone. Many think that creating killer content will automatically grow their subscriber list, if only it were that simple. Truth is, growing an engaged and responsive subscriber base needs a lot more. Lucky for you, I'm going to reveal techniques that nearly guarantee a skyrocketing growth in your subscriber count. Okay, so which one do you think was written by a robot? Shout it out, A or B? B, B. Both. Very good. Does anyone think A was written by the robot? Raise your hand. Got a couple. Okay, so you were right, sir, in the middle. <laughs> B was 100% written by AI, absolutely no human editing whatsoever, and the first one was written by a human. And that first one got no engagement. The blog is doing nothing for that business. And the second one is pulling in leads consistently. So the one I read, well, we're not there yet. I'll get to that. Uh, but first, a little bit about my story. So as Kristen said, I ran a human writing agency for a decade. I sold it in 2021. I saw GPT on the horizon. But I'll tell you, I was not impressed. A lot of what I was seeing was known as article spinning. And it was absolute garbage. And this was content I sold to clients for a lot of money that absolutely grew their business, ranked in the top of Google, did really well. So when I saw AI, I'm like, that thing won't replace me. No way. I definitely didn't believe that. And so that's why a month after ChatGPT came out, I was on stage, a digital marketer, saying this, AI is garbage. I literally said that. You could quote me. And then 30 days later, when I found the technology that could actually replace me, Legitimately, I could tell my clients to go use this and it'll produce content as good as something I could sell you and do manually. That's when I had to face the music. Now, I didn't say this, but I basically did in my next talk. And the reason why I switched my viewpoint was because I found something that could actually save me seven hours out of an eight hour process. So that's how long it took for me to write something that I sold to clients for thousands of dollars, eight hours. So I found a tool that could save me save seven hours out of those eight hours. And this is the criteria I had to meet. ChatGPT didn't meet any of this criteria. The first one, this was very important today to enterprise businesses. You might see in the headlines, Samsung banned ChatGPT from their employee's desk because one employee accidentally prompted the LLM, ChatGPT, with proprietary code. So this is a big risk factor in the business world. ChatGPT shares everything you prompt it with, with the entire internet. It's used to build their model. So I found a tool that didn't do that, didn't actually share proprietary data with other users. And it also created completely undetectable content. That blog hook I read to you, read like a human wrote it, but AI did that. It was trained on my voice. And it's doing real-time research. That's another limitation with ChatGPT. It doesn't actually do real-time research. It stops, the cutoff is 2022, although I think they'll fix that soon. So 
this is why I adapted to AI, and I definitely identified as a snobby writer, and this is the technology I now work for, Continent Scale. We're building the world's most human-like content writer. Replacing me and what I used to do for 10 years. So, if you're asking yourself, does the employer world, which is the world I see a lot of, businesses that hire people to create content, do they actually know that AI is better than a human? Are they aware of this? The truth is yes. More than 80% of marketers and business owners, they all agree that not only is AI the key to the future, but it's better than a human. So our clients, our employers, the ones in the future you might work for, they know this. And they're looking for the human that's using AI to get ahead. So as Kristen said, I used to do 10 million words a year. I thought that was a lot of content, and it was. Took over 100 humans to produce that kind of content, but we're doing 50 million words per month. That's five years of content in just one month. And this is large-scale content. So it's content created to rank at the top of Google, which has to be good, original, research-backed content. So this is what it used to take to produce that level of content, a ton of humans. A ton of humans. So in order to produce 100 pieces of content a month, or even close to that, you needed a lot of writers. You needed to go find them, hire them, train them, retain them, headhunt. It's a whole process. And then you needed a strategist, somebody to do the research, an editor, publisher. Sometimes there was a project manager in there too. So what we're seeing at Constant Scale, which I get to work for because I adapted, <laughs> is this. One human capable of running the AI and producing the same level of output in all these areas. So we're literally taking what used to take 20 to 30 humans and whittling that down to one person running the AI engine. That is unreal. Talk about saving efficiency, cost. Businesses are headed in this direction. Okay, so I wanted to bring this up, some elephants in the room. This is the reason why a lot of businesses that I work with don't adapt. They're not sure if they could or should, or there's some writers that are losing their jobs because they're not asking this question and getting the informed answer. So the first one, do I own the copyright of my content if I'm using AI? That's a pretty big question. Do you? Well, copyright law is archaic. It was built many years ago, <laughs> hasn't really changed. And what it boils down to is that your work has to be original, has to be humanly generated to even qualify as permissible to be copyrighted. So that's why we're building frameworks to help address this problem. And if you use this approach whenever you're in content, I teach this to a lot of writers, a lot of content marketers, then you're generally safe and you can actually copyright your work. So the AIO approach stands for Artificial Intelligence Optimization, and it's built on this framework called CRAFT, which represents a series of steps that writers can take to get that AI content ready to go from straight out of the AI engine to publishing. And with Continent Scale, because it does, the research real time, it's not feeding any proprietary data out to the world. Your work here, I've seen as low as 30 minutes. And this used to be a seven to eight hour process if you were doing it from scratch for a blog ranking in the top of Google. So CRAFT stands for a series of steps. You're cutting the fluff, you're reviewing your content, you're optimizing it, you're making it better, you're adding images, visuals, and media, you're bringing your content to life. ChatGPT AI engines don't always do that, don't often do that. You have to do these steps manually. Fact check, that's a big one. AI doesn't really have a source of truth. 
It's kind of bogus content. It's detecting and predicting. It's mimicking. But if you have, going back to constant scale, it has a real-time fact checker built in where it's pulling from the internet and checking those facts and putting that into the content. But if you're using a single LLM, it's not doing that. So you're doing a little bit more fact checking to make sure that content is worthy of publishing. And then you want to trust build. This is a really critical step. As you'll see in a minute, this actually matters to content that ranks in the top of Google. So here's another question. I have a pretty controversial answer to this. I was at an SEO conference, and the attendees didn't really agree with my answer, but this comes from the world of the world in which I work. This is the reality of what companies expect. Should you label AI content as AI content? So the answer here that I've seen to be true working with a lot of publications, employers, is we need to think about what the employer and the publication cares about, not our own point of view. Well, I think this should be AI labeled. And I'll tell you what the employer and what Google and what places like Search Engine Land, what they care about is good content. They don't really care how you did it. They don't care how you got there. They just care that it's good. So if you're crafting your content, if you're optimizing it before it goes out, it's going to be good content. But if you're publishing straight from ChatGPT and it's absolutely crappy, it's not research, it's, you know, the world doesn't want to read that crap, it's not good. You should probably label that AI content. But just the world, the world will recognize. And I think the curve will flatten there where good content continues to stand out. So don't label your content as AI if you're properly crafting it and optimizing it and making it better. Because if you label that content as AI, it could actually detract from how that content is perceived. Now, when it comes to video and audio, there's such a thing known as deep fakes. <laughs> you may have seen Taylor, um, you may have seen some celebrities going around in shorts and viral content where they were appropriated through AI machines to sell things like cookware. And that was completely deep fake. That wasn't Taylor Swift. So this is where platforms like TikTok are launching AI-generated content labels where you have to actually use that label if you're producing content with AI. Otherwise, you get in trouble. You can get banned. So this is a big question for us in particular. How will Google's AI search actually affect the entire internet? <laughs> this is a big question. So Google brings in 80% of the world's online traffic. Some of the traffic is definitely going to other sources like ChatGPT, but this is still true. And 8 billion searches a day happen in Google. So generally when we start our journey on the internet, it's with a search, and this is still true. So every site I've built or have been a major part of heavily depends on Google for traffic. Our traffic's coming from these searches. So this is our site. We're nearing 700,000 uniques, and this is through AI content 100% with our tool. So we're using our tool as a case study of content, and this is what we're achieving. So we have to ask the question, if we're getting 700,000 monthly visitors from search, and search changes into an AI experience, what will that mean for our traffic and our sales and our leads? So how do we prepare for this? So there was a whole really nice marketing presentation that Google did when they announced AI coming to search. And it was called the Google I.O. Keynote last May. And what they presented isn't actually matching up to the real experience. So there's a lot of duplicate content appearing in SGE, search generative experience, and there's this, <laughs> stolen content. This is my blog with no attribution. Google just swiped it 
and showed it for the keyword. So that's just not cool. But Google can't afford to do this in the long run. I really think they're going to fix the problems in SGE, get back on track, and we're going to have a good experience there. And here's why. So Google's ad revenue in 2022 was $200 billion. 58% of that was search. Driving that up are publishers, people that own websites. So here's what Google said that really stuck out, and I believe this to be true now and going into the future of AI hitting search and everything we interact with. Google said, people will always value the input of other people. And whenever you look at how they're defining SGE and how they're building it, it's a jumping off snapshot where people can experience AI, but they know that people are in search of an actual answer, not just an AI-generated bit of potential garbage. They're looking for an answer, a deep resource, an educational article, a video, something they can learn from. And that won't change, even though AI is changing how we interact with everything. So when you look at how SGE is working, a lot of niche sites are rising to the top, pushing out big sites like Forbes, Entrepreneur, that used to dominate most of search results. So this is the cool thing for a lot of publishers that we work with. This is the opportunity in the room that they can take advantage of, is actually creating niche sites. Like for example, if you're talking about a hamster and you own hamsters.com or mypethamster.com, that's a niche site. And you can win above Forbes publishing an article on hamsters. That's new. That's completely new for search. It used to go to the domain with the most links, everything. So here's why things are shifting towards creators with SGE coming to search. Right after ChatGPT came out, Google went straight to the punch with an additional letter in their ranking algorithm. So this is the page quality rater guidelines called EAT. Stands for experience, authoritativeness, and trust. This is what Google looks at whenever they're ranking content to show in search. And they added that first E, experience, right after ChatGPT came out. And if you read the guidelines, what they're talking about in what they look for in order to rank that content according to experience is personal experience. And they say this, would you trust a product review from somebody who used the product or somebody that didn't? Well, obviously, somebody that used the product. And if you think about it, are you going to be able to hear how a pizza tastes from a robot? It's going to be hard. So Google was looking for personal experience added to content in order to be able to rank that content and show it in search. And they continue to define things in the same way. Would you want to listen to somebody who skydived or somebody that didn't when you're reading an article about skydiving? So the creator and the niche site publisher is going to win in this era. But we can use AI to get ahead so much quicker. And I'll show you how we're doing that in our company. So here are two entrepreneurs. They own a niche site called Hawaii Guide, John and Victoria Derrick. I sat with them, heard their story. They're appearing in SGE. That's their result up at the top right. Hawaii Guide, that's the photo John took. Of, he was actually there on the Hawaiian Islands. And he's got personal experience that he can share in these articles that are ranking at the top of Google. So they've had a 30% growth in traffic. They've actually doubled their content output. They're on track for a lot of growth. And they're using content at scale to create all of that content. And then John just hops in and edits it a little bit. So his time went from hours and hours per post to just that 30 minutes to an hour, editing that content, making it great. 
Here's another example. This is an amazing entrepreneur in his late 20s. He just sold this website actually for seven figures. Troy Erickson at copywriting.org. He didn't hire a single human to produce content and have a website he could sell for seven figures. Instead, what he did is he gave content scale to his SEO person, and they started publishing 70 articles a month. Now keep in mind, this is a process. It used to take about 100 humans in the long run. People you had to train, hire, headhunt, retain, put together, assemble teams of people. So he was able to do it with one human with paired up with one AI system. And he was able to go, in one and a half months, he had almost eight months of growth. Normally it would have taken eight months. So here's another example. This man is amazing, Marcus Campbell. His YouTube channel is Affiliate Marketing Dude. He has a half quarter of a million YouTube subscribers. Great person to learn from if you wanna learn anything about affiliate content. Great YouTube channel. But he used content at scale to produce over a thousand blog posts. And he published 95% of them without any human editing. And he was able to do that because a lot of these searches were very informational. So if you take John at Hawaii Guide, that's a more subjective topic. You need to kind of understand how the islands work, talk about them, speak from your personal experience. But Marcus, he's breaking down car parts. And that's something AI does really, really well without any human work. In fact, we might know less about car parts than the AI. I know I do. So it's amazing to see what AI can do when it's used in the right places. So here's an example of a marketing company based in California called Journey Engine. And I saw them actually save 25X on the cost and time it used to take to produce content for their clients. Unbelievable story. And that's their writer on the top right. Um, he very um, wasn't sure about this at all. <laughs> Hold on, is this possible? <laughs> One of the naysayer writers, there's a lot of those out there. But when he saw what it could do and how to use it, he started implementing it into their process and they were able to get rid of a content agency that was very expensive with a lot of humans. And they just 10X, 25X actually, they're one writer. So people aren't getting fired, people are getting augmented and exponentially increased if they're paired up with AI. And that's the feature I really wanna to paint today. So when we go back to the real world, as I call it, the publisher, the destination that we're creating content for, in this example, Google, what do they care about? They don't care that you used AI, they just care that it's good. And that's where we can end with, do we use AI, do we not? How do we use it? Google rewards high quality content, however it's produced. They truly don't mind. And that's not what they said a year ago. <laughs> so these publications are absolutely changing what they're saying because they're getting with it. They know that AI, like the founder of Anthropic and Claude said, there's no escaping this. It is accelerating and it will only go up from here. So if you do this, if you make your content eat friendly, and this is something I've taught to bloggers, um, all kinds of marketers producing email content, if you have this approach, you really win. You don't lose, you don't publish crappy content. So this is an approach we talked about earlier, the AIO approach, where you're optimizing AI-generated content and using this framework, the craft framework, to make it better. So if we land on what Google said, people buy from people they trust, this won't change. So if we humanize what the AI does, we can win. 
But I will say, it's definitely a wild west, right? And there's a lot of risks, a lot of concerns. I see it with a lot of enterprises, a lot of businesses that we talk to, where we have to approach these tools with caution. And that's one reason why the one I work for is what I call the safer one, because it actually has technology built in that is secure, helps keep our clients' data secure, and doesn't go out to the world at large. So LLMs are definitely the Wild West. Example of these, ChatGPT, Claude, Custom GPTs, BARD, although I think BARD is being done away with now, and <laughs> renamed Gemini, so that just happened last week. But if you're using a single LLM, you have to use it with caution. You have to know that your data is being shared with the world at large, and it's being actually used to feed these models. So there really is two sides. Um, I've seen over 3,000 use cases at continent scale. That's how many users we have. And the risky side, if you talked to me a year ago, I would have said it's places that would, are stopping people from using AI, but that's changing. I see a lot of publishers, the, this college I'm at, teaching you all, equipping you all, that it's okay to use these, but use them with caution, use them correctly, bringing people like me in to help you do that. So what I see is the, as the major risk still today is our own viewpoint, that this thing is scary, it's terrifying, it's unhelpful, and therefore I will not use it. And that is by far the biggest risk because, as I'll share with you in a second, I think it's the human not using AI that will be replaced by the human using AI. And then the safe side of this is something, um, these were created in mid-journey. Mid-journey is very fantastical. So we might not have this utopia, but this is my hope. A world where we can actually do the work we enjoy because AI is doing all the things we didn't want to do anyway. And this is what we're seeing at continent scale. Freelancers that used to sit at their desk 12 hours a day, this machine is creating content as good as them in an hour. And they get to step away at noon, go out and hike. Enjoy their day, be with their family more. So the beneficial side of all of this is truly amazing if we learn how to adapt correctly. So let's end here. How do you prepare yourself for the AI revolution? Big scary robot included. Oh, that's not where I wanna end. So first, think about anytime you go create content, think about how to use AI in that process. I was excited to hear from Kristen and other professors that you're not discouraged from using ChatGPT but you're encouraged to use it with awareness that this is something that's not technically secure. It's feeding my data to the world at large. I'm using an LLM, which is kind of like a living, breathing monster. <laughs> so just being aware of that and being aware of what you're prompting it with. So remember, publications, places like Google, employers as well, they just care that the end product is what it should be. They do not care they, they are not going to ban you or kick you out from using, if you're using AI, in fact, they're going to look for the person that's doing that, using AI to get ahead. And with case studies like these, stories like these of getting ahead by 25X, it's just a matter of time till all employers adapt the correct use of AI and look for people that are using this. So this is probably one of the most important points to land on, how to AI-proof yourself. And this revolves around this prediction I shared at the beginning, which just came out 30 days ago. And I pinched myself, this is even true, <laughs> but it is. All human jobs are predicted to be automated. And it could be as soon as the 2060s. So how do you get, how do you get ahead? 
How do you win in this world? First of all, the best thing you could do is stay informed. So these three people, I'm one of them, um, talk constantly about AI on LinkedIn. Excellent people to follow. Zane Khan at the top runs a newsletter called Superhuman, one of the best AI newsletters out there. But staying informed is one of the best ways you can get ahead just to be self-aware of what's coming and read and learn from these people. And then Jeff and I, Jeff is our AI director sitting up here in the front, we host a podcast. We created this podcast as an answer to the question, is there an AI show out there that's educational and informative and entertaining? We couldn't find one, so we went and created one. And we talk all about the future of work on this podcast. So it's on every platform, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Player FM, Pandora, if you want to look that up. We live stream as well on YouTube twice a week. So this is one of the most important points to land on. Our ability to think critically just got 10 times more important because that is what these robots don't have, the human ability to think critically. When we can look at AI-generated content, when we can look at anything that AI is doing and ask, how can we make it better? How can we take this to the next level? How can we take this content and make it ready for publishing? So what I said earlier, it's a human that is thinking critically using AI that will not be replaced. And it's the human not using AI and not thinking critically that's definitely gonna get wiped out because AI in the 2020s has surpassed humans at most tasks. So I don't wanna end on a low note where you're like, oh no, AI's coming for me, oops. Don't wanna end there, I really wanna end with the point that if we're thinking critically, if we're aware and we're using the brains that God gave us, which are amazing, then we can look at what's out there, what's coming at us, and judge it critically and make it better and be amazing. Be amazing employers. Anyone that wants to work for any employer <laughs> benefits from this approach. All right, so that's a wrap. If you scan that QR code, that'll get you straight to the podcast. Jeff and I host twice a week, and then I've written a lot of books on Amazon that you can find under Julie McCoy as well. Thank you all for having me. Really appreciated being here. Do it. Yes, many years ago, 11 years ago, um, I was in college for a nursing degree. And I realized when I was about halfway through it that I would probably make a terrible nurse and I didn't like any of it. So I asked myself that day, I was 19 years old, what do I actually love to do? And that morning I asked myself that question. I did a Google search, how to make money writing. And that was 2011. The freelance platforms back then were so different from what they are today. They were named differently. Companies hadn't bought them out yet, and it was a very early market. So that was content marketing. I didn't even know it was called that at the time, but that Google search led me to, oh, this is an actual market 
that I can tap into. There's 12,000 writing gigs. They start at five bucks, but I'll start there. And so I started out getting paid $2 an article in 2011. And before I sold my agency, I was up to $20,000 sometimes per article. So it's just a matter of chasing my passion and tapping into what I love to do and then turning that into a skill set. And I believe anyone can do that because I'm not, and my background is pretty crazy. One of my books is actually a memoir of how I escaped a cult. <laughs> so I came from nothing. So I truly believe anyone can follow their passion and do the same thing. Those are great questions. Hello, I'm Jay Kraft. I'm a business major with a concentration in accounting and finance. And the question I wanted to ask was is, so in the cases where even though you may people the idea of a lot of your work or even most work is being done by the AI. So I was specifically thinking about that due to the YouTube channel where he's doing marketing blogs and things. So if the AI is doing most of the work, so if you want to be a more independent person, right? You don't want to necessarily work, you want to be your own boss, you don't want to work for yourself as a company. Mm -hmm. What prevents these companies at some point, not necessarily immediately, but in the future, when because they're spending billions of dollars sometimes to build these AI, uh, you know, using the massive amount of data required to build them. So if the AI is doing most of your work for you, what prevents them from just cutting off the middleman? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> well, I think well, that one of the best ways to future-proof yourself against that is to actually think about building your own brand. Um, because the truth is, a lot of things will be automated, and it will head in that direction. And I think, um, for example, this AIO approach, stepping into that, like how do we use platforms like Continent Scale? First of all, we have to remember we're in very early days, even though it feels like we're not, because it's 2024, feels like the robots are here, but the truth is only 14% of America has even used ChatGPT. My Uber driver didn't know what it was. So most of America is still not even aware. So stepping into new roles, like I'm not just gonna be a writer, I'm gonna be an AIO, I'm gonna follow the craft framework, I'm gonna use an AI engine, will absolutely future-proof you from that employer going, I'm just gonna go find an AI writer and not use Jacob who's doing it all manually. But the other approach as well, that could be a card in your back pocket, would be to not have all your eggs in one basket, where you're building up multiple things. And multiple things could look like you're also a YouTuber talking about gadgets or your favorite hobbies. That is going to be very hard for AI to replace because I don't think we really want to watch a robot talking about our favorite products. We want to watch Matt Wool for the people I follow on YouTube. I would never want to go watch a robot. So a personal brand is what will absolutely last, I think the longest. And then if we're thinking about a job with an employer, how do we actually use AI, use it correctly, appropriately, learn from AI experts, and step into a completely new job role that maybe didn't exist a year ago? Great question. I saw some reactions. I know. What are your thoughts with reduced face-to-face interactions that could possibly erode the social bonds and could positively 
or possibly negatively impact the mental well-being of humans? Oh, that's a great question. I love the question. Well, first of all, I don't, I don't think that's um, something we were made for at all. I think God made us human for a reason, and human connection is one of our strongest gifts. It's also the way we connect with people. Like, even Google knows that. <laughs> people buy from other people. And so I think that it's up to us and how we adapt to AI to use it appropriately. Um, for example, you know, I work for a company that's continent scale that you could argue is almost fully automating a lot of writing. But what I did was I came in and I looked at it and I went, how do we match this with the writer market? How do we take these writers and take them from out of work and put them in a place where they can still have that human to human interaction and use the AI to actually get more freed up to go out and have a better life. So I think this is a little bit philosophical, but I think it's really up to each one of us. Are we going to wear the VR headset for 12 hours a day and completely miss out on life and ignore our families? And you know, I saw a father, his nine-year-old was sitting on the couch just three feet away and he had the headset on doing work. He's very excited about it. And I'm just looking at that nine-year-old sitting there alone in a blanket. I'm going, no, come on. So I don't think AI was, is built for, it's built to be like what the internet did. It revolutionized everything, took away the yellow pages, but it didn't stop us from being our best selves. In fact, it help us, helped us to be our best selves. So it's really up to each one of us to use this correctly and to know, okay, there's a danger of being addicted to this, taking me away from family, but there's also a way I can use it to actually have more time with family. And so that's what I'm getting behind. That's what I'm helping um, our users do at Continent Scale. We're seeing it, like the freelancer who was able to stop work at noon. She lives in Italy, go explore Italy, be with her partner and, and just enjoy life. So that's what I think AI can do if we let it. And there are people that definitely abuse it. I'm seeing it. <laughs> and I think it's just up to each one of us to be strong on that. Like, I'm not gonna let this take me away from my family and society. So the power is really in our hands. That's what I believe on that one. Great question. Um, hi. hi. <laughs> yes. Um, my name is Emily Hitzman, and I'm majoring in applied business um, here at Concordia. And um, my question is based off of um, some of the things you were going over in your presentation, which is if you use AI, you will not be replaced with a person who does not use AI well. And it seems that a majority of the examples given in the presentation or the opportunities lend themselves to business owner and content creator and not much else. Like the other roles of writer, other kinds of marketing, all the other little, I guess, cogs in the machine, if you will, are not options. Um, and unfortunately, I think the phrase that comes to mind is too many cooks in the kitchen. And I'm just curious if you think, and this might be a bit of a morbid question, but in 100 years from now, Oh, absolutely. I hope no one took that. <laughs> I mean, we need, we need plumbers. We need blue-collar jobs. I, I think that Tesla is working on you know, something that would potentially be the plumber in the future with the humanoid. Um, and so the question there um, is, you know, where is society headed? And <laughs> we could go down rabbit holes for sure. And it depends on, I think, what you believe and where the beliefs come from. And 
who you study, who you look up to. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't say that society is going to be limited to business owners, content creators. That's just my area of expertise for the last decade. So that's why this slanted towards that. But I will say, it's interesting you bring that up uh, because in our R&D at Constant Scale, we uncovered something. <laughs> and it looks like an invention that could possibly change like how we open our computers and do work. So I'm actually moving from Austin, Texas, just in a week ago, um, to Scottsdale, Arizona. We're all moving there to build this thing. And what it looks like, whenever you think about like all human labor, because business owner, content creator is definitely a very small part. Um, I think you know the place of the human will be working side by side <laughs> with that AI machine. And it's just finding out which AI do I use, which one is the right one. I was talking to a painter, like, why don't you buy a host of the humanoids and deploy them to paint houses once you do the initial quote, the connection with the human, the human owner of the house, because that role will still be needed. But how do we actually use AI and deploy it to do all the work we didn't want to do anyway? And I don't know anyone that wants to paint a house. Which, do you like painting a house? <laughs> so if we think about the work we don't want to do anyway, and how can AI do that maybe better than us? That's the question to ask, and that applies to almost all industries. Something to add on to that. I think it's important to note that automation is not a new phenomenon. A couple of 15 years ago when the app market came in, everyone thought it's going to take our jobs. Did the opposite, <laughs> actually created human companies of scale. I think it's important to see like industrial revolution as more and more machine technology came in, we thought, oh, we're going to lose jobs. And I think AI is just a new opportunity. New I, I think the historical context helps a lot because otherwise it's easy to get caught up in, oh man, the end times are coming. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case. I appreciate what you're saying. That's a great point. It was, you know, hunter-gatherer, and then it was the industrial revolution, and it was the information age, and now we're entering the technological, technological age. So technology, just like you were saying, is going to, Sean was saying, is going to add a lot of jobs where we can actually work with these robots, and our jobs look completely different. Like AIO Writer didn't exist a year ago, and I know AIO Writers that are getting paid full-time, great income and this job didn't exist. So there will be brand new opportunities and we could spend four more hours if we don't have it today. <laughs> so that's a great point. I've got a question down here. Mindsets, new boundaries, 
Yes, and you hit on the definition of these models where they are predicting and detecting, not originating. So it's actually the human that originates. And the reason LLMs have progressed so much, large language models, which is my industry, the text industry, eaten up by AI, the reason for that is humans created a decade worth of content on the internet. So what you describe is 100% true, and I think the importance for new ideas just got exponentially more important. <laughs> or it's like, in, in a marketing setting, what new idea will we bring that creates human interaction, that brings that feeling to our audience? And that idea can go from execution to production so much more quickly with AI, taking us out of that whole side of the process. So the idea in, like if we ask, what's the human good for? <laughs> it's the idea, absolutely, originating good ideas. Very important. Did that answer it? I think, I mean, there's so much unknown there, right? So it's like, it's hard to give a pinpoint answer because I think like going back to we're in this new frontier where we have to experiment to get to a conclusion. So I would say the best way to prepare for that is to actually use AI, see what ideas it comes up with, and then use your critical thinking to say, is that a good idea? Does that match up to what my audience wants? And be that middleman of the optimizer of that idea. But I absolutely think if you use AI, whether it's like ChatGPT to come up with newsletter name, which is what I did recently, and then I looked at that name and I'm like, none of those are good, but it gave me the idea I needed to get to the gold, because I was like, I was no use, I was a tired human that was hungry. <laughs> so AI gave me something that was better than my blank draft. So if we approach it that way. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, my name is Jay. Yes. Um, do you have any idea or statistics of what countries in specific or what continents in specific will be there by that time? Because I want you to think about every country, not every continent will be, uh, will be uh, operating under AI by that time. And so, do you have any statistics of what countries will be there by that time that will be very helpful? And from a business Countries or those locations specific as you know related to the 
that history. So just an idea of how that would look like, that would be helpful. Yes, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, well, they're saying um, countries where there's a lot of lower level manual work, and that's like the predominant economic driver. So for example, India has a lot of call centers. Call centers are saying the next five years will be fully automated, where it's a robot answering the phone, trained on human inflection, AIR.ai um, is doing it remarkably well. <laughs> you don't know if you're talking to AI or human. Um, so it's crazy we're here, I still pinch myself. Um, so where that's a predominant market driver, that would be a concern where it's, okay, if I'm running a call center, I should probably get out of that and think about a different type of job where I'm using AI, or maybe I introduce AI to the department of the call center. Because I'm a fan, I've seen it so many times where a freelancer was like, oh, I'm gonna be out of work. And it's really the powers in our hands. If we can be the agents of change, where it's like, okay, your whole department could be up for replacement with AI, but what if you introduced AI to it? You could save it. So going back, that was a rabbit hole. <laughs> going back to countries, it's, um, India's a big one. Um, the US is actually close behind because there's a lot of manual labor here as well. But it's really any country where there's a lot of outsourcing done and it's that lower level work that is easily done by the robots, easily automated. Does that help? <laughs> it's scary to talk about. And this isn't here yet. You know, I think that's what's important important for us to realize, like, this isn't here yet. Those are predictions. It may be years off, it may be accurate, it may be sooner, maybe later, maybe a lot later. But we have to remember, like, we need to play offense, not defense. So it's like, how can I bring this back to the people I work with, my family, and how can I say, hey, is this the right job right now? Should we pivot? Should we use AI in our process? Maybe we're not using it yet. And that's what I did as a writer. Now I actually have a better job than I did as a writer. <laughs> so I truly think there's a lot of hope. I don't want to end on a negative note. I feel like all the predictions are so negative, but there's so much hope if we adapt. So for countries that if, so from the country that I come from, like just rapidly about it, if I was to introduce a certain business with AI, do you think we can not make um, uh, demographics, I'm saying uh, demographics of the populace in the country? I don't think majority of the people might be able to easily Absolutely, absolutely. And I would say, you know, if it's a country where, like, for example, the internet, there's no internet signal, and maybe the people are still in the hunter-gatherer era, they're more safe, because <laughs> they know skills that we don't know. They know how to plant food, harvest food, and that's timeless. Um, so AI replacing the person sitting in the office doing manual work, AI gonna replace somebody that knows how to harvest from the field, work the field? AI could, but will AI go to that economic region? Probably not. So that country is actually potentially safer if that's the level they come from. Yes? Picking up on your question, I was reminded um, the chief economist of the European Bank for Infrastructure and Development was speaking at um, Dallas um, a couple weeks ago. She differentiated between the developed countries and more undeveloped countries. 
20, 20 hundred. <laughs> or, you know, the latest was in the 23 zeros, so it could be 2300. Yes, great question. Um, I think, first of all, curating a list of people we follow and going to email versus search at large is just one way to quickly get trusted voices directly close to us. So for example, if I'm looking for AI news, <laughs> I might not Google AI news. Um, I'm going to sign up to a newsletter and read that every week, and that newsletter is curated by a human that I trust. So that's a different way to approach getting an answer that kind of safeguards you from that quantity crisis where there's a lot of ChatGPT garbage without real experience backing it. And the other way to um, look at it is to just look at the author byline when you're reading an article, which I still, I still Google things on a daily basis, and look at that byline and look for expertise. And then see if that matches the article. See if it reads like ChatGPT, which is very recognizable. I feel like it's, you can use an AI detector to recognize it. We actually built one of the first AI detectors out there, <laughs> Continent Skills AI Detector. Um, so that's a quick way to, to just run a search. Is this robotic or is it human? And you can actually get an answer. But you can also just scan it and use critical thinking. Does this sound very robotic? Are there images? Are there personal facts coming from that author's point of view? So critical thinking, definitely apply it in that scenario. Thank you. Good question. Julia, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. Really, uh, it's a great group, great group of people. Thought-provoking discussion. And we have a little token of our appreciation for you. Oh, thank so you. thank you again for coming to Concordia. Yes, and, this is great. Uh, thank you to Isaiah up in the booth for the IT support. And I wanted to let you all know that March 7th, same place, same time, we'll have David Chen talking about the future of eSports. Mm -hmm. okay. And with that, let's give a welcome again and a thank you to Julia. Thank you.